was a southern gospel singer, he would be singing that song. I, thank you. I love that song. The second in the series this morning, What Kind of Man? Thomas. If you have your Bibles, let's see them. If you have somebody else's Bible, let me see it. Don't let them see it. This is God's Word for me today. We're going to be in the book of John, chapter 20. Let me set this up a little bit as we think about, we're talking this morning about Thomas. And we have a man that followed Jesus and was actually one of his disciples throughout his whole ministry. We see this man who had heard the teachings of Jesus. He had heard the teachings of how Jesus was going to die and how Jesus was going to come back from the grave. We have a man who day after day watched the miracles, listened to him, and loved him. And yet, we find a doubter. John chapter 20, verses 24 and 25 say this, Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. This was right after the resurrection. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Lord, this morning help us. Help us, Lord, as we discover about doubting but we more greatly than that discover about your grace and your mercy. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm reminded that as I was reading this week, when Jesus was crucified and laid in the tomb, the Pharisees went to Pilate. And it's interesting. I find this fascinating. The Pharisees went to Pilate and they said, Pilate, this deceiver, talking about Jesus, this deceiver has talked about the fact that he was going to die and then he was going to come back in three days. Now, wait a minute. This wasn't one of his disciples. This was a Pharisee that remembered the teachings of Jesus. And he said, so we need to do something because otherwise his disciples are going to come and they're going to steal his body and they're going to say he rose from the dead. And when I read that, you know, it's just a pat in, again, passing scripture. But, but the Lord struck something in my heart when I read that again this week. He said, they believed it more than the disciples did. They remembered something that the disciples didn't even remember. Here we have Thomas who followed Jesus closely. He wasn't an outsider. He wasn't like a visitor to the congregation that came once in a while. He was a member. He was with Jesus day after day after day as Jesus spoke, as Jesus taught, as Jesus healed, as Jesus raised Lazarus. If you remember, Thomas was the one when, when Jesus found out about Lazarus and Jesus said, I'm going. And they, they just said, oh no, don't go, they'll kill you if you go there. And Thomas says, well, I'm going with him. I don't know about you clowns, but if he's going to die, I'm going to die. That's the same Thomas. That when his buddies said, listen, Thomas, Jesus just showed up. He said, I don't believe it. He was a doubter. I, I know none of us have ever doubted anything about Jesus before, right? 
You see, there are just some people, and you probably know some, that just won't believe anything you tell them unless they just see it for themselves. Uh, a lot of things I read, of course, you know, we know we live right next to Missouri, and they call that the show-me state. But I think we all have a little bit of something down deep within us that we just want to see the proof for ourselves, right? But we see Thomas here, and we remember all the times that Jesus had, had laid it out for him. As you read through the Gospels, which I encourage you to do as often as you can, you will see how many times that Jesus told them what was going to happen. How many times he reminded them of what was to come. And even right before it happened, he said, you know, here's what's going to happen in the next few days. And here we, have, here we see the doubter. You see, he even proved what he said was true. But I think maybe Thomas left the service early that day to go get his lunch and he missed it. He missed the appearing, right? So don't anybody leave early, go get your lunch, wait till the service. So you might miss something. So Thomas wasn't there. We don't know why Thomas wasn't there on that day. But Jesus showed up. And it was, it was interesting to me as I was reading through this because after Jesus showed up and Thomas wasn't there, he waited eight days to show up again. He waited eight days. And you think, oh, did he have a reason for that? Was he trying to prove a point? to Thomas. What was all of that about? I don't know. First thing I want to talk about this morning is the doubting spirit. You see, I, I've said this so many times in this church. The devil doesn't have to get us to throw out the whole book to beat us. He just has to get us to start to doubt a little bit of it. There's another song on that album and again, I'm not preaching song, songs, but they give us a vivid picture sometimes. And it says, I believe the book. Every line and every word. See, the devil doesn't have to get us to throw the whole thing out. There are a lot of religions out there that sound very similar to Christianity. There are a lot of religions out there that take a lot of this book that we have and they've incorporated it into their theology. But what they do is they throw some of it out and they change some of it. You see, the devil doesn't need to get us to, to, to throw the thing out. He just needs to get us to begin to doubt the stories are true. He just needs to get us to begin to doubt that what God said is true. Not just in the past, but what God said is true today. That's what he's trying to do to us today. That's what he's trying to do in the, in the liberal uh, theology of the world. That's what he's trying to get us to do in, in, in the laws that are being made that says we, we can't, cannot take a stand against this in the church or else we're going to lose our tax-exempt status. The doubting spirit. You see, I firmly believe we live in a day and an age especially that we need to be convinced about our faith. We can't be wishy-washy. We can't be on the fence. We have to be convinced of our faith. We have to be convinced that what we believe is the truth. We have to be convinced that what God said is going to happen and it's going to take place. And no man can change that. No liberal theology can change that. No new laws can change that. No, no, nothing I say can change it. Nothing you say can change it. The book is the book and it's true. And the word, His word will not change. 
But the devil wants to convince us otherwise. I'm reminded back in Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of the tree, any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now I have to ask you a question. Did Adam and Eve die? Yes, they did. They didn't die right in the spot. They didn't die right on the moment. But Adam and Eve died. What happened was they brought death into the garden. They brought death into a place that God did not want and design for there to be death. The serpent twisted a little bit enough that made Eve begin to think, well, I'd like to be like God. I'd like to know everything. I'd like to not have to worry about dying. I want to be like God. You see, something we need to understand about Thomas is that Jesus Christ himself called him to be an apostle. He didn't just stumble into the group one day and all of a sudden he was somebody. Jesus picked him out. Jesus wanted him. John chapter 11, verse 16 says, So Thomas called the twins, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go that we may die with him. Thomas, at that point, was convinced of his faith. But something began to happen. Why? Because he didn't see things happen the way he thought they should. Things didn't progress in the process the way he thought they should, so he began to doubt that any of it was true. And that's what the devil tries to get us confused about what's taking place so he can get us off track so that we begin to not only doubt this, but then, well, if this isn't true, then that may not be true, and doubt spreads. You see, a little bit of doubt. After all, Thomas had witnessed the crucifixion just like the rest of them. He saw the one that was supposed to save the world gets sealed in a tomb. Now, how could he believe what he was hearing? You see, the disciples believed that Jesus was going to be their conquering king. The disciples believed that Jesus was going was to come in and, and, and take the world by storm. And that didn't happen the way they thought it would. So now, how could he believe this piece of news. John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6, here's what Jesus has to say. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Sometimes I think that's where we find ourselves. But here's what Jesus finishes with here. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through 
me. You see, Thomas still hasn't fully grasped all there is to know about what Jesus came to bring. Thomas still hasn't been convinced of all there is to know about Christ. You see, he saw him die. He saw him get sealed in a tomb. Jesus tells Thomas here that he needs to understand and trust in Jesus himself. You see, people will, put, will let you down. People will disappoint. People will hurt you and cause you pain. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. This, this pastor, I'm not the way, the truth, or the life. My hope and my desire is simply that I can show you to the way. That I can lead you to the way. That I can talk to you about the way, the truth, and the life. That I can set a, an example and a pattern, not that I'm anything, but that He is alive in me, and through me others will see Him. That's what He tells us. Let my light shine through you. Because we are not the way. This church is not going to save you. This, re, this, this fellowship is not going to save you. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father unless they go right through Him. Not through membership in any church. Not through any, any sprinkling or any baptism. It comes through Jesus Christ and Him alone. And anytime anybody wants to tell you otherwise, or if you just join our church, you're going to heaven. If you become a member in this thing, you're going to heaven. If you just listen to this preacher, you're going to heaven. He, they are wrong because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father unless they go right through the cross of Jesus Christ. Amen. That deserves it. Not because of me, but because of Him. He is the way. There is no other way to get there. And Thomas had been told that, and Thomas had been taught that, but Thomas needed a reminder. Many things took place between the two passages that I just read. Jesus went to Lazarus' tomb and cried. Jesus then raises Lazarus. Then the plot to kill Jesus unfolds. He rides into Jerusalem. Jesus washes the disciples' feet. He points out that one of his disciples will betray him and tells of Peter's denial. And you have a, had a crazy week, huh? Is it any wonder that Thomas has doubts? I ask you a question. Put yourself in Thomas's place. How would you feel? Because I would love to say, oh yeah, I, would, I wouldn't be like that old doubter Thomas. Really? Because I'm not so sure about that. I'd love to say that, but I'm not so sure. Would I look at the circumstance, and would I look at the situation, and would I come up to the same resolution that Thomas did? But I won't believe that till I see it. You see... There comes many times in our life when it's easy to point our finger at others who we see as having issues or who have failed. But I think about my own life and I have to recognize, boy, it's a pretty dangerous thing to start pointing out somebody else's flaws, isn't it? It's a pretty dangerous thing to start seeing the things that are wrong in somebody else. You see, here we see Thomas was doubting even his very closest friends when they said, we have seen the Lord. 
I ask you this, how can you doubt Jesus? You and me and every other person who has ever lived, we know we have, we have, had, we have had privilege, the opportunity to hear about him. But everything around us points to Jesus. But sometimes we doubt so many things about him. We doubt that he could love a sinner like me. Has anybody ever looked at their life and thought, man, there's no way he could love me. There's no way he could look at me and have anything but disgust in his eyes. There's no way he could look at me and have anything but hatred for me. That's a lie from the devil. I'm telling you, you haven't done anything yet bad enough that he doesn't love you. We doubt that He has a plan for our lives. We look at the mistakes we've made. We look at the opportunities that we've had and the mistakes we've made and say, well, he ain't, there's no way He could have a plan for my life. But I'm here to tell you, He's got a plan. You may have missed out on the original plan. Maybe you messed that up so bad that plan can't work, but He's got a plan for your life. And if you will just allow Him, and if you will just follow Him, you will begin to see the opportunities unfold. I shared just a brief story on, on Lamont. Lamont, a few years ago, Lamont gotten given his life back to the Lord and coming back to church. And, and the Lord laid on my heart to have Lamont preach. Lamont didn't know that. Nobody knew that but me and my wife because we had talked about it. And a few days later, Lamont was sharing in men's group how that he just wished he could get one more chance to preach the gospel. I said, Lamont, i got a date for you, buddy. <laughs> I've already been talking about it. That was a divine appointment. You know, Lamont had, Lamont's went to Bible school. I think most of you probably knew that, but Lamont walked away from that. But God says, wait a minute, Lamont. I'm not done with you, fella. i got a plan. And so Lamont's been used greatly. He's preached in this pulpit. He's preached in other pulpits. I believe... God's got a plan, and, and, and that's just one story out of because everybody in here has their own. And everybody in here has missed the mark. And everybody in here has, has walked away from the plan that God has for them, but, but He hasn't given up on you. He hasn't thrown you out. He hasn't fired you, and, and He has a plan for you. Never doubt God's plan, even in the midst of your own failure. Don't doubt that God has a plan for you. We doubt that His forgiveness can be that great that He could forgive us. I'm telling you, His Word is true. The Bible tells me if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I sat with Bill Dobbins the other day and he said, you know, there was a point in my life I never believed and dreamed that I could go to heaven. But he says, now I do. Why? Because God has a plan, and if we will just allow Him to, He will put us right back smack dab in the middle of that plan. It may look different, and it may not seem like a great plan to us or somebody else, but if we will be faithful, if we will let God, He has a plan for us. Never doubt that God has a plan for you. If you're a Christian, if you're a born-again believer, He has a plan for you. If you're not a born-again believer, He still has a plan. You just haven't accepted it yet. After all He's done for us, sometimes we still find ourselves doubting that what He says is really true. 
The second thing I want us to see about Thomas here this morning is there was a hope that wouldn't go away. See, there's more to the story than Thomas is doubting. There's more to the story than on that day when he says, I don't believe it. Thomas didn't walk away from his friends. He didn't walk away from his church just because he was going through a little doubting session. He didn't walk away from those people, that strength that he had. You see, too often, too many times, people, something comes in and something creeps in, and, and the first thing they want to do is give up on God. Maybe they have some doubts about God. Maybe they have some doubts about this or doubts. About, and, and instead of trying to find out more, they just walk away from it all. Well, Thomas didn't do that. Thomas had something, there was something there that just drew Thomas and kept him close. John chapter 20, verses 26 through 28. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. This was, then this next part had to be awesome. You know, here he stands in this group, and there's Thomas. This is either one of the scariest things that Thomas could have, could have had happen, or one of the most joyous things when Jesus said, just confronted Thomas face to face. And he said, Jesus said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. And put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. You see, Jesus cared enough about Thomas to let him know, hey buddy, it's okay. It's okay. You see, I've watched too many people that have allowed those doubts come into their life and they give up hope. They give up hope that anybody could ever care for them. Give up hope that anybody would ever want to reach out to them. But Thomas still had hope. And this morning, if you've allowed doubt to be a part of your life, and all of us have it sometimes, I want to encourage you, don't give up hope. It's, it's not the doubt that's going to drag you to the pit. It's giving up the hope that there's an answer, that there's, that there's a way through this, there's a way to answer the questions that you have in your life. Keep pressing in. Keep, keep asking God for help and strength. Keep putting yourselves in, in the presence of other Christians that can encourage you and can strengthen you. Ask God, God, Restore my faith. Help me, Lord, even in the midst of my trial. I, I, help me to rediscover my faith. This morning we were talking about the Lord speaking to us. And, and too often or very often it's just a whisper. We would love God to come up and say, Okay, I got something I want to say to you. Are you ready? Listen up. Kind of like we do to our kids, you know. We get their attention, or at least I, I'm quiet. You realize I'm kind of a quiet guy when I get their attention. But I had to get a couple of little kids' attention, you know, last night and this morning. But anyway, that's another story. But I, I'm usually, if I'm going to get your attention, I'm going to get your attention. I don't have a problem getting your attention. But many times, God wants to get our attention through something really quiet, like maybe the turning of a page as we just get into His Word. Maybe it's just the subtleness of a beautiful breeze as it blows through the trees. Maybe it's the baby's cry, or 
maybe the kick. <laughs> he tries in so many ways to get our attention to help us to understand who he really is and how much he really loves us. But many times we don't listen. Our doubt is so strong that we don't listen. I want to encourage you to take every opportunity to listen for his voice. I don't know about you, but I have a hard time talking and listening. Now, I know some of you think that you're really good at that, doing both. But I'm going to tell you, if you're talking, you're probably not listening. God wants us to talk. He wants us to pray. He wants us to, I believe, firmly believe, we talk about it. He wants us to pour it all out but he also wants us to listen. We have no problem with the talking part. We all, it's funny because, you know, us adults are no different than kids because we listen to, I do this, we listen to somebody tell a story, and the whole time they're telling it, our mind is just simply thinking about what we're going to say next. And we completely miss what they said because our mind is like, I got something to say, and I, I can't. And we do that with God so often. Maybe it's in a church service. Or maybe it's in the car when we're driving down the road. Or maybe it's at home when we're listening or watching a, a Christian program or Christian music or, or doing whatever we're doing. And, and, and we're, so, we're so out of tune that we're not listening. And so those doubts that we have can't be cleared up if we're not listening for His voice. The last thing I see this morning... The question that I have is, what kind of man comes to the doubter? You see, as we read that scripture, eight days after he showed up, and eight days after the doubt, eight days of Thomas wondering probably, can you imagine? He had to be wondering throughout the course of those eight days. Well, could it have been? Could they be true? Could they be right? I don't know. I, I just So eight days he had to wonder. Eight days he had to stew. And then Jesus shows up. And I find it so interesting that Jesus didn't spend five or ten minutes telling Thomas how disappointed he was in him. He didn't stand there and chastise him for half an hour in a sermon about how he should have just believed. He didn't go on and on to the other disciples about, man, I, you, guys, you guys got it, but this guy here, he's a clown. What he did is he simply, he simply stood before the man who had doubted him. He says, listen, I want to prove to you that I am who I say that I am. And he stuck out his hand and said, touch me. Touch me right here. And touch me right here. He assured Thomas, not through just a, hey, I'm here. But he assured Thomas by allowing him to touch him by embracing the doubter in such a way that he left no doubt left that he was who he said he was. Jesus isn't afraid of your doubts. You know, I grew up in church like a lot of you did, and, 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 and there were many times, and many times people say, oh, don't, don't ever ask God why. I don't buy that. Because if you don't ever ask God, how are you ever going to get an answer? 
And also, I, I think we get that attitude, well, if you ever doubt, then you're just, no, you're lower than anything. I say, then we're all in trouble, right? But what I say is, Jesus was not afraid of the doubter. Jesus didn't hate the doubter. Jesus didn't let out the doubter. Jesus came to the doubter. You get what I'm saying? You might be sitting here this morning with doubt. Don't kick yourself. Don't let the devil tell you you're, you're not a worth, worthwhile Christian. You're just nobody because you got doubt. You might as well stay home because you're a doubter. What I'm telling you is, bring your doubts to Jesus. Amen. Let him stick his hand out and say, see here? Here's what I did for a doubter right here. I had my nails, my hands pierced with nails. Here's what I did for the doubter right here. I let him pierce my side. Because I knew people were going to have doubt. And there needed to be a way for me to prove that it's all what I said it was going to be. That's why I tell you this morning that Jesus is not afraid of the doubter. He hasn't written you off, just the opposite. He's pursuing you harder than he ever has before. He has come to convince us that He is who He says He is. He has come to let you know this morning, no matter what you've done or where you've been, that He wants to prove to you He is who He says He is. Does that mean all your problems are going to be gone? No. Does that mean your bank account's going to be full? No. Does that mean you're not going to be sick and, and tomorrow morning you're not going to wake up and you're not going to be able to roll out of bed because you hurt so bad? No. It means you can trust that He is who He says He is. And in the midst of your pain, in the midst of your struggles, my wife, I, I, uh, she asked me this week, she says, are you getting depressed? And I said, no. And the reason she asked is because I don't feel like I'm progressing as fast as I should with my shoulder. And yeah, I don't like it, but it is what it is but I know who God is. I don't doubt it's going to be where it ought to be. I just doubt that it's right now where it should be, right? But I trust Him. Am I, am I not worthy of His love because I doubt a little bit? No, but what I believe is God wants to change that doubt into faith. He doesn't want to leave us as a doubter. He doesn't want to leave us in that state of doubt. So, so one... I believe that we all get there, but two, I don't believe he wants us to stay there. That's why he comes to the doubter with reassurance of who he is. But we have to put ourselves in that place that lets him reassure us. If we run off every time we have a doubt and we stop, we stop listening to, 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 to preaching and we stop reading the Bible and we stop praying, well, I don't know that, none of that stuff, I don't believe it, then we're going to be lost. But if doubt comes in and we take it to the Lord, say, listen, God, I'm struggling with this. You know, one of the things I hear more than anything else is people when they, when they we struggle with death. And, and I, I just don't understand why God had to allow that to happen. Tragedies all over the world. I don't understand it either. But what I do know is God is still God. I still have to do my part. I still have to trust in Him on a daily basis to, to help me to be who He wants me to be. And sometimes I fail. 
And sometimes I think, why would God even want to use me? Because He loves me. And in the midst of my doubt, He doesn't shun me, but He comes to me. That's what I want us to see about the story of Thomas. Not that he was a failure because he doubted, but that Jesus was the restorer because of his love. That Jesus embraced that doubter and he brought to him what Thomas could never have gotten anywhere else. And that was reassurance that Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life. That no one comes to the Father except through him just like he had told them in the days prior to his death. Just like he told Thomas when Thomas says, Jesus, we don't know where you're going. We don't know the way. You see, it's okay to not know the way because then you can discover the way. It's okay to be lost and not understand because then when you begin to search and then when you begin to dig and when you begin to, to, to pray and to read, you discover the way. See, too often we as humans, we come up with our own way. We, we come up with our own ideas that don't work. We need to discover the way. And in the midst of your doubt this morning, in the midst of, of that circumstance, and you can't see the end of it, it's okay. Just put your trust in Him. Jesus says, don't, be, don't disbelieve and believe. He wanted Him to believe. He came to Him so He would trust Him. He came to Him so He could remove the doubt. And I tell you that Jesus will do the same to you for your doubt. Bring it to Him. He knows it anyway. He knows what you're thinking right now. Bring it to Him. Say, Lord, I don't understand. It's okay. I I'm going to give you permission to have a conversation with God that kind of sounds like, God, I don't understand your ways. I don't understand why this is happening. I don't understand what's going on over here. I sometimes doubt that you even care about me. It's okay. Bring it to Him. Tell Him. And say, but Lord God, I want it. I want to understand. I want to know. I want to trust. Help me to trust. And I'm going to make you a promise that He will come to you and He will show you His hands and He will show you His side and He will tell you, believe, trust me. I have a plan. You may not see it all. You may not understand it all. But I have a plan. I want you to bow your heads this morning. I want you to think about some things as we close, close this service this morning. I want you to ask yourself, am I here today not having accepted Jesus' love and forgiveness? Maybe you have doubted that He could love a wretched sinner like you, and I'm not, I'm not saying that bad, like you're a bad person, but the Bible teaches us we are all sinners in need of a Savior. So if you're here this morning and that's you, I want you to understand that He is here for you to forgive you. you His Word says if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. No ifs, ands, or buts. That's the truth. But maybe you're here also this morning and you say, Pastor, I'm a Christian. I know I'm saved. I know I'm going to heaven. If I were to die today, I am on my way.
but I have some doubt in my life that has been hurting my faith, that's been causing me to struggle, and I do not want that to draw me back. That might be you this morning. Maybe you failed Him and doubted Him so many times you just don't feel like He could love you and use you for anything. I want you to know this morning that's another lie from the devil. He wants to restore the doubter this morning. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you're here this morning, you would say, Pastor, that, that's me. It, no matter which one of those points it is this morning, you would say, Pastor, that's me. But today, I'm going to touch the nail-scarred hands of the Savior. And I'm going to let Him release that doubt from me. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Thank you for that honesty this morning. Thank you for those hands. Why don't we stand? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, Lord, this morning, I thank you for your Holy Spirit. Because, Lord, it's, it's way beyond anything we can ever do on our own, but your Holy Spirit leads us and guides us and draws us to that place where we recognize our need for you. And we recognize our need to lay it all on the altar before you. And so, Lord, this morning, I just ask, Lord, that you would help us to surrender to you. Help us, Lord, to recognize our need to just lay it all before you. Jesus, I'm going to ask, if you raised your hand, or if, even if you didn't raise your hand, but you wish you had of, I'm just going to ask you to come up here and stand in the front. And I just want to, I want to close this time just, just having special prayer with you. If anybody would be willing to do that, come on up. And I, I'm going to close this time and just ask you to be reverent with me. It's still way early, but just be in prayer as we close this time. And, and if you want to come up and come behind, you can. But just, just be reverent before the Lord this morning as we close this time. Thank you.